I took seriously six to nine months of I love it, I hate it, I'm never doing it again, I feel like an absolute doofus sitting here talking to myself and writing a sex scene in my car while I went to pick up kids from a school and I did like little spits and spats and then I started to realise if I don't just dive into this, it is never going to happen. I had to train my brain and so I dived in. Are you a mom with a story to tell but not sure where to start? Publishing a book is kind of overwhelming. Now throw kids and babies into the mix and you got a lot going on, but that doesn't mean you can't build yourself a thriving author life. My name is Jackie and I'm a mom and an indie author and I'm here to show you how, step by step, to get your books written, published, and sold, even if the only time you actually have to write is during your toddler's afternoon nap. It's time to write like a mother with these moms write. Hey guys, it's Jackie. Over and over, I hear from my guests the importance of just keeping on writing, no matter what problem it is in the writing process that you are facing. One approach to increasing your writing output is writing by dictation. So that means writing by talking out loud into a recorder or app. The beauty of this approach is that the busy mom who has to fit in pickups and appointments into her writing schedule can then write on the go. If you are interested in how to integrate this approach into your writing life to not only fuel your output, but also sales, today's guest is exactly what you need to hear. Sophia Aves is a romantic suspense author from Brisbane, Australia, with over 25 titles to her name and three tiny humans as well. Sophia recently pivoted into the world of romance writing after giving up a traditional office career and hasn't looked back. In this episode, she shares how she manages to produce so many books despite her mom responsibilities, thanks in part to the power of dictation. Without further ado, please welcome Sophia Aves. Hello, Sophia. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. No worries. Hello. Very impressed because in my part of the world, it is noon, but in your part of the world, it's 5 a.m. So you get extra points just for being awake and functional. <laughs> so aside from it getting light in your part of the world, what else, what else are you most excited about right now? Right now, um, yeah. husband waking up and making me a cup of coffee. That would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to wake the kids up because once they're up, they are so noisy. They wake up at full ball and they go and they go and they go and you're like, just need quiet for an hour. That's why 5am is so cool. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So you wrote a romance author. Can you tell me a little bit about your your books and, and that journey? Yeah, sure. Uh, So I've got about 80 things published um, across a couple of pen names because I write Kid Lit for charity as well as Other Me and a couple of other very super steamy pen names as well, which we won't go into because they don't match up (laughs) with the Kid Lit style. Um, But usually I I exist as Sophia Raves, so (laughs) that's that's where I live at the moment. So I've I've got, I think, uh, 25 romance books out. So um, I write Texas Rangers, Australians, Cops, um, Montana Cowboys. I've got a military series coming out this year, um, monthly dropping um from two weeks time actually uh, that's um that's based around 
uh, a group a group called Z Unit, which is an old World War II unit I've resurrected that were a group of incredible Australian heroes that had a very, very short life expectancy but did amazing things. So I've um, resurrected that and turned it into something amazing. So these guys actually get their HEAs at the end of the day. Nice. So, yeah. Wow. And, like, I feel like there's a really strong, like, Australian flavour to your books. Is that something that grew out intentionally or just something you just started writing about? Um, Blue Blood Brothers and Z Boys, and I've got a couple of beach reads that are set in Australia. The rest are all set in the US and they're written in US English um, and they have a US editor. Um, So they are US-aimed books, usually. In fact, the whole lot are US-aimed. But if you do read my Aussie books, yes, I do have Aussie slang in there. Get get used to me saying bugger or something like that, you know, streets. I don't do crikey I'm not the crocodile hunter uh, but there, there is a bit of Australian slang in there and I don't curb them as much as I do because a Texas range of saying bugger just isn't the same is it so you know yeah. I just don't go there that's so fun and and how did you get started writing romance and um, I have been reading romance we worked this out the other day um since I was probably about six or seven because when you you think back at, at the books that we read years and years ago um especially girl targeted books we read Babysitter's Club Marianne and Logan um I my favorite movie back when I was eight or so and this is showing the age oh my god show the makeup uh, is Romancing <laughs> the Stone um if you <laughs> it, it, which is very similar to the um to the Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum movie that's come out recently. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, back in that, there was a, um, a character called Joan Wilder and she was the main character and she was a romance author. Um, and I, all my life, I wanted to be her. So, you know, that was, that was the aim was to be Joan Wilder. Um, so that's, I mean, I, I was 12 and 13 when I started reading all the Dolly romances and earlier than that for Sweet Valley High and then into Harlequin Silhouette was what it was back then. I went through my little small town library, like gunfire. And then there was Agatha Christie and Dean Coots and Stinking, which just didn't hit the mark for me. So, mm. you know, I, I took a 20-year hiatus um, after finishing school. I'd written all the way through high school, did all the geeky, um, you know, the geeky uh, creative writing awards. I was the only one that ever actually wrote for these things, so I got the award. So it didn't actually matter how good I was. I got the award anyway. Uh, <laughs> let's first up there. But then I took a huge break. And when I had my second child, I said to my husband, I'd really like to start doing something because I'd stepped away from managing sales and become a stay-at-home mum and I threw myself for the first two years into being a mum so you know I became an expert in breastfeeding and in baby sleep routines and what you feed them and all the psychology that goes beyond it because my brain needed something to do and I said I need to do something and six years later here we are so I actually only started really publishing and writing as Sophia Aves uh, two years ago I've just had my two-year-old anniversary. So what? my mind done has happened in those two years. What is happening? My mind is blown. <laughs> two years? I thought you have so many books. You've done so much yeah. in two years? Yeah. Yeah, so Collision is the first um, first book I ever put out. So when Harry, Harry's just turned six and I wrote the first chapter when he was one year old, but it sat on my laptop for three years after that. And I was 
I was so far out of writing that I, when I started to write, I got about three lines in, I went to write dialogue and I couldn't remember how you put dialogue on the page. So I ran through my little bookshelves. I'm pulling open books going, okay, this one's got doubles. This one's got single shit. Why has this one got singles? What am I going to do with the single quotations? Oh, that's Australian. You know, UK uses singles. Uh, so, you know, I went through and I didn't know that. And dissecting all these pages, trying to see what, what a book actually looked like. Because as a reader, you don't see those things. It is seamless. It's like watching a movie. You don't see the faults. You don't see how it's written. You just immerse into the book. Mm. And that was that was my aim, was to become that. So that first chapter sat on my laptop, a very old, very, very dinosaur laptop, for three years um, before I did anything with it. And it was originally called, because I couldn't think of a better title, Cops and Robbers. Um, so that, that was going to be my first <laughs> book title. Then I did um, NaNoWriMo in 2019, in November 2019, and I wrote the entire book then um, in the month. So it was 75,000 words um, was my first go at it. And... I really just loved sitting down and powering through the words. I had a broken hand. My husband was away in the UK for six months. Uh, so I sat down that month and went, no, I'm going to finish and write this book. So I learned how to plot. <laughs> I learned how to do all the things. So I put the words down and I got there. And, I mean, what you're not seeing is that for the year and a half before that, I was writing picture books. I've got 15 picture books out for charity. Um, so I was in writing groups and I helped with my local writing group and all those things and you collect and absorb all this information until that moment where you're really ready to go and it just bursts on out of you. And that's that's when I started. I went, I really need a new pen name for this because my kid lit and my cops with the Manchester, the eight-pack, these are not going to go so well together if I go for an agent or <laughs> for kid lit. Like, what, what is this steamy stuff? So, you know. I yeah. separated it all out and I started to work on branding and in April 2020 I launched. Wow, that is just, I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm getting, I feel like breakneck <laughs> speed here. I'm getting whiplash, Sophia. You're moving yeah. so fast. So, yeah. <laughs> so you started writing the kids' books first, and then a year and a half after doing that, you were like, you know what? I just always loved romance, so I'm going to dive into that one. And then you yeah. have been going like full steam ahead. You've developed a pretty like substantial brand now. And how many titles did you say that you have published in this? Uh, I actually, I keep trying to count. I think it's about 25. I'm not actually sure. I don't, I don't actually have a clue. I just put them out. Wow. That's amazing. 25 titles. Okay. Um, in two years with, and you have, your husband was away for that month that you were writing a NaNoWriMo. So how did you manage to yeah. find all the time to do it? You have two children? Three. I've got three kids. I've three. Got, uh, three. No, hang on, four. Shoot. I've, I've had two birthdays this month. I can't catch up with who's been. No, I've got a four, six and an eight. So, yeah, back then I, she was 18 months. I mean, they, they slept through for me. We were just, you know, it was all that backing research on parenting, I'm sure, but no, it was a lot yeah. of fun. Um, yeah. Our kids slept through and I'd sit down at 7 o'clock at night and I would write till 11 and I just formed the habit of writing all the time and, and I write on my phone. So if I've got five minutes while I'm making lunches, I will write on my phone. And I, I, back then I was I was typing. Now I dictate, and it has made the entire world so much so much faster and more accessible. Wow, that is beautiful. Can you tell us about the dictation? Because you know I've I've tried it myself, and I can't say I've been that successful. I would love mm -hmm. to hear how it works for you. Yeah. What 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 did you find was the hardest part? What what's what stumped you? Well, it's a good question. So for me, I'm just I 
can't get into a scene the same way when I'm saying it out loud. I'm not able to because I think I'm so used to visual, like seeing the words in front of me, and that is almost like an anchor, the visual. Yeah. Right. And so then when I'm trying to describe a scene and um, just through dictation, I, I get lost and then I just kind of trail off and then I give up. Yep. Yeah. So that was me. I did uh, six to nine months of that. So I've got, I've got a 35 minute each way drive to school. So when I had nobody in the car or I had a little one who likes to sleep, which then screws us up for the night, but you know, I took the time when I got it and I'd turn off the music and I was just using a program called dictate, which was working well for me at the time. Um, and it's like a $20 a year subscription. Um, and I I took seriously six to nine months of I love it, I hate it, I'm never doing it again, I feel like an absolute doofus sitting here talking to myself and writing a sex scene in my car while I went to pick up kids from school and I did like little spits and spats and then I started to realise if I don't just dive into this, it is never going to happen. I had to train my brain and mm. so I dived in and, yes, there was some absolutely horrendous passages that just got deleted uh, and there were a couple of 500 little word ones that I went back and edited and now when I go on a trip, if I know that I've got an hour drive between me and, say, Toowoomba for a writer's group, then I will dictate the whole way and I get about 3,000 words each way on that trip. So that's two, two solid chapters. There is a lot of editing to do. At the moment, I'm just using pages. I'm trying Word as well um, and I need to buy myself a throat mic because, honestly, it all hates the Australian accent and it seems oh. like the women's accent more than anything because it likes the man's deeper timber sort of voice. And, yeah. if, you know, you, it's really funny. When you start to really get into it, you act it out. So, you know, she's like, no, no, I won't do it. So I'm yelling in my car telling it, no, I won't do it, you know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm an absolute idiot because I do the, do the punctuation as well. So, no, I won't do it. Exclamation mark, close quotes, open quotes, mean line. Yes, yes, you will. Full stop, close. <laughs> I'm having this conversation to myself in the car and acting it all out. But then when you get to the softer moments and you start to drift away, it doesn't pick up those words because you're no longer yelling at it. <laughs> so it's, it's it, if you start to go very soft, you know, and this is where I think I need the throat mic to come in because it will improve the accuracy a lot. I'm still sitting there working on Wednesday's um, edits at this point because I've got a passage there. I've got no idea what it was meant to say. It is just gibberish. So <laughs> I've obviously gone nice and quiet. No, this is lovely. Isn't this lovely? I've got no idea what that was. So that is we'll, so, see. we'll see how we go. That is so interesting. And I, I want to pick up to something you said, which I think is really key, is that you spent that time to retrain your brain because that is absolutely the challenge I have is that my brain doesn't work in that way. And it reminds me of how, because this is how old I am, is I used to handwrite essays and handwrite you know, creative writing. And then I do remember that there was a challenge, a real uh, barrier to switching to computers. And now, of course, we type everything and that's normal. But like, there was a time where it was like, ew, I can't believe you're typing, <laughs> right? And I feel like maybe this is the next thing is like, if you really want to get serious about being efficient with time, it is retraining your brain to this, Dictation, and I and I love that you you, you challenged me there because yeah, it's not just you know downloading an app. It's really you put in you you really committed to that, and now I can see like that it's 
it's not only efficient, but it, it's it's emotive in this different way with you acting out the scenes and like. I, I, that's really intriguing to me because I'm always curious also about like how other art forms and like acting and like performance can mm -hmm. inform writing. And so it, it seems like there's a, a really neat energy that you're getting by dictating. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's like, it's like if you sit down and you have a daydream, I don't know if everybody does this, but this is, this is something I often do. And I was doing in the car prior to dictation was, sitting there and working through the scene as though it was a movie. So, you know, he drives up to the farm, it's snowing, the deer runs across the road, he has a bit of a flashback because he's got PTSD, and then he pulls into the next driveway and stops, sees the coffee sign and goes in and there's your meat cute, you know, because he goes in and meets the girl. Um, you know, and I would play that out in my head and I would see it in thick, full detail, but now I just add the words to it over the top. So when I get home, I try and edit usually straight away because I still have that mind movie still in my head if that makes sense oh 100 everybody that's just that's just my process so would you you would you see the movie in your head and then go and dictate it or are you dictating it as you see it i'm i'm in it if i'm the protagonist i am in that experience it's like being in a in a virtual reality sort of thing Right. So then you're, you're, you're just dictating as you are going through it or do you need to, like, I guess my question is, does it need to roll, the film needs to roll through your head one time and then you go back and now you're dictating what you saw or are you dictating either way, I guess? Yeah, some, sometimes, but often just like you're typing at the keyboard, you had one path in mind and suddenly we're off on the little deer track and you're not quite sure where this one's going to go, but it's going to meet up with the main road eventually, you know, but you know, this is that that's that's writing, isn't it? It just it diverges on its own. You're like, oh, this is where I was meant to go. That path seems silly now. So that's true. So you find through the dictation that you also get drawn, like, oh, it's the characters are taking me somewhere I didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then how does the mind the movie, how does that work in with is that the same thing? Like does I just does the play it out? Yeah. Play it out. Yeah, just play it out. Yeah, as it, as it wants to come out, and if it seems like crap at the end, which it hasn't yet, um, I, I when I start writing, I usually have a destination. I know where I want the scene to start, and I've got an idea what I want it to do. So if totally. I want him to walk in the door and them to have a steamy moment, here's then we're going to have a you know sex scene um, after sex talk, and then climax point. And I know what I want that climax point to be whether or not it's somebody comes in because I write suspense. It might be a shootout or it might be he storms out the door and they've had a fight and she gets kidnapped, you know, something like that. I know where I want it to start and end. It's just the bit in the middle is the fluffy bit. Right. And that's the fun stuff where these different modes that you're accessing, whether it's the visual and the dictation and like the acting, that sort of that energy takes you there. Yes, absolutely. Wow, this is really fun. I really appreciate like you opening up and like digging into like the creative process because I feel like it is actually, you know, I think a lot of us do do that, but maybe we're not as aware as you are about that process. Yeah, it's 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 like being a teenager, really, when you're starting to grow as an author, you start to see the changes in your body as a teenager, you start to see the changes in the mood and you start to understand that this time of month is not a great time of month for me, you know, like you, you understand all these little things. And if you are conscious of it and aware of it, you can 
fit life around it a whole lot better. Being an author is exactly the same thing. You are just growing through something new and you're becoming aware and self-aware of your process and how your creative works best gives you the best chance of success, whatever that looks like for you. Right. So there's a really good um, indication or a good tip, like understand what process works for you so that you can you know, harness it the best and maybe try some of these different things. And, you know, if dictation doesn't work out right at first, that doesn't mean it's not going to be a good technique for you. You may need to push through. So, so we've talked about, you know, wow, your start, which was like, (laughs) and you're just off to the races. And now you're very in tune to your writing process, your creative process, amazingly prolific. But I also know, and this is what I originally was drawn to you, is that you have a really great handle on marketing, which I know a lot of writing moms are really overwhelmed with. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Uh, (laughs) When I started at uni, I started doing archaeology at Newcastle Uni with Godfrey Tanner, who's a bit of a legend down that way. And in general, he was, uh, he passed away my second year and he was, we used to have liquid lunches. Um, He would take us to the bar and we would learn over ouzo or wine. um, And then I'd go and play tennis afterwards because, you know, that's what you did back in the God, 1990s hell. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you did all the things. Um, he passed away in my second year and I had no idea. I should have shunted across into linguistics or uh, history and I did what people suggested and I went to business and I ended up in marketing. Um, so I've got a bit of a background there. Can I tell you there is nothing I learned at, at uni that I am currently using <laughs> <laughs> so either the information is outdated or, you know, what? it was so much common sense stuff when you think about it. When you, I, I worked for, in sales for 25 years, so it was all stuff that I was using every day anyway. Um, so, you know, just trying to work out what somebody wanted and delivering it to them. That's, that's the entire intent. Um, if you write to market, then you are doing exactly that. You are just finding out what your audience wants, finding your audience, finding what they want and giving it to them in the best way that you can, but while still being you without losing who you are as an author as well. So your voice still has to be there. Otherwise, it's just words on a page and they're not going to get invested in it. So um, coming off the back of not working for a couple of years and then starting writing again, the business side, for whatever reason, for me, clinked in. It was just a natural part of it. So Mm. I love, absolutely adore working with cover designers and formatters. I cannot format to save my life. I outsource that one. I have tried every program under the sun shy of buying a Mac. I have a Chromebook. It is a little cheap laptop. It is super fast and I adore it. Um, And I'll be replacing it with a as like one soon because this little thing's not cut out for my use. Uh, But... Honestly, without investing $3,000 for a Mac and then Vellum on top, I I don't have the time to do a couple of things. So where other people might outsource with the PA, which I just can't get my head around because I don't want to give up control of my marketing and my newsletter and my socials, I pay for instead, I pay for a a formatter. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's my little split is finding out what doesn't work for me and saving time on that sort of thing. So... I've tried Atticus. I couldn't, I couldn't make it work for me. Um, but marketing-wise, get into the romance groups or the writing groups because all the information you need is actually there. Yeah. Stalk all your favourite 
authors in your genres and the genres that are off the side. I write romantic suspense, but I probably also write spy thrillers and international thrillers and international suspense and security suspense, contemporary romance, uh, detective noir, hardboiled noir. So I have to look at all of those genres on Amazon and get an idea of what the covers look like, what does a blurb look like, what's working for people. All the information you need is there. You just have to go and find it. And it might Mm. take you six months or 12 months to get your head around it. The first cover for Collision, the first book, is still on there. I'm I'm only just updating it now. Um, But at the time I bought it as an $80 pre-made from a fantasy uh, designer and she was fantastic um, and she helped me out and got the got it all sorted out for me and it looks it looks brilliant and now that it's time to update to a newer style um, and I'm, I'm I'm absolutely in love I know not everybody loves them but I love the matte covers so this is this is the newer style so the original book had the big six pack on the front um it had collision down the bottom but it was all sort of one color um which these are too but it <laughs> everything was tinted in the same way, including all the lettering. Um, So when I found a different designer and we started to work towards series, I said, I need so many books in this series. I need so many books in the next series. And we started to working around series design. JJ King was the one that gave me the heads up on that. She messaged me um, out of, I think, Romance Writers League or Romance Level Up crew. Um, And she messaged me, she said, you don't have proper branding. It's not consistent. Nothing looks the same. Go back and look at your books. Go look at mine. She's she's doing P&R. And I opened up her page and here are all these books, Sam Paul style, um, with her genre clear on the front, all the lettering was the same, the colours flowed from one to the other. It mm. was just really gorgeous. When you put them all next to each other and I looked at it, I'm like, I have to do this. I need to get the branding consistent. So when you look at it, you know that's a Sophia book. Mm. When you look at something, you know that's my writing group, you know that's my web page. It all looks the same. There is consistent branding across the whole lot. So... That's where I, I, what I worked towards, and it was the best advice anybody's ever given me. You have quite a substantial body. Do you think for writers that are just starting out, is that something they need to be pay attention to as much? Can that come yeah. like later? It can come later, but you're going to have a better effect if you've got it organised straight out of the bat. Because I'm replacing covers from back then. Um, the cover for uh, politics and paperwork, which was a 99 cents, I've just lifted it to a dollar 99 because it's a 20,000 word novella, um, has cost me so far nearly $500 recovering that book because mm. I'm on my third cover for it. Oh, wow. And um, so if I'd gotten it right the first time around, that's another three or $400 that I could have put towards more marketing for this month, you know? Mm. So that's opportunity cost don't don't waste money where you don't have to yes absolutely start off with a couple of pre-mates I have a box of pre-mates <laughs> that I absolutely adore and they will become different things later on um but they are not the core branding for my brand because they are all slightly different but they are were cheaper and they allow me to get reader magnets out a little bit faster and all that sort of stuff so yeah there are there's definitely a place and a time for them um, but have a strategy you know, who am I as an author? Who is, if you're creating a pen name, design it for that market. Find out who your market is. My market is two different groups. I have fast-paced younger romance that appeals to 16 to 
35 or 38-year-old female and a couple of men that's mostly military or ex-military romance. I have my Cowboys and Texas Rangers, which is women 45 to 65, middle demographic US, or if it's Montana, then the Texas people like it. If it's Texas, the Montana people like it. Um, so that's it's like a little flip scenario. But I know who those people are. I know what they want, and that's what I'm trying to give back to them so that when they see the book, they go, yep, I definitely want to read that one. I'm going to buy it. And I'm impressed with even just as you describe your audiences that you know them so intimately. Like, how do you know who likes your books? Facebook ads. They give you a breakdown on the demographic of who's clicking. So mm -hmm. run a couple of $5 ads for a few months, let it turn over, get all the information you can out of it and work out who's buying your books and who wants to read them. Mm. It's so simple. Like you said, the common sense, but it is fairly brilliant too, because yeah, you're, 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 you're getting the data. Yeah. I, a lot of it I fell into, honestly. Um, I didn't realize that Facebook ads did that until somebody said do a Facebook ad. So I did a boosted ad and I let it run for a couple of months and suddenly I'm like, Oh, it's got metrics. Oh, it does this. Oh, look, that tells me all about who's clicking on it. Did they buy it? No, they didn't. Damn it. Okay, fine. What, 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 what do we change? We change the book or do we change the cover? What do we do about this? You know, are they the right people? So yeah, there's all that sort of stuff. And once you're, again, once you're aware of it, you can do something about it. Right. And that's uh, almost something you could work on early, isn't it? Because in a way the ad yeah. isn't even as much about selling something, but it's about understanding your audience. So even maybe before you have a book out, you could start running Facebook ads, you know, based on your cover or, or whatever, just to see what behavior you get. Well, you can also use Kindlepreneur, Publisher Rocket. Uh, there's a couple of them going around. If there's another one, I can't think of the name. I always, I always miss that one. Um, but they give you all the demographic information you need. You can oh. use all that information and then target accordingly. That's great. We can uh, put a link to those in the show notes. And, um, and you mentioned your monthly marketing budget. So do you... Like every month you sit down and you're like, this is, these are the ads I'm going to run on these different platforms and these are the books I'm going to be promoting. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I just restarted a couple of ads for May because Amazon, uh, sorry, Facebook actually crashed for me two weeks ago and I lost all my ad information. Everything was gone. So I'm glad I had an idea what was there. Um, the whole dashboard just froze and I lost it all and I wasn't the only one, sadly. Um, so I oh. just restarted them yesterday and worked out what I needed. So I've got three book releases in May for the 2nd, 13th and 20th. So I'm targeting ads towards those um, and working out who I want to approach and what I can do to build a bit of pipe very, very fast. And if you, if for those authors that don't have a huge amount of time or money or whatever it is, like, do you have a suggestion of like, you should start here. If you can only do one thing, it should be this. Um, find out who your audience is and see if you can target something towards them because if you don't have an audience then you're not going to sell any books so what you're saying is if there's no one's going to read the book then no one's going to buy it <laughs> i essentially write for me i write for who i was in my 20s i write for who i am now and moving forward and mm. um, i still love college romance so i am going to be writing college romance I used to love the silhouette Harlequin books. So I write in a similar style to those. Mm. In fact, I've got to know who you're writing from, what sort of story you want to write. If you've got a clear vision of who you want to be as an author, what you want your books to look like, then 
you've got a better chances of success, but you keep growing as you write. You know, don't just write and then sit it and let it flop and do nothing. Go into the Facebook groups. There is community groups everywhere that are so supportive. They're full of information. Um, the 20 Books to 50K has all the information in files. If you want to find out something about book launches, put in book launches in search and it will show you everything that Craig has put up over the years. And there is so much incredible information in there. Like there, there is all this information is available for free. If you're specifically a romance author, the romance community is incredibly open. I'd say it's the most, the most open of all the different communities. If you go into KidLit, it's a little bit more closed-lit. There's a lot of traditional publishing. Um, you'll get a couple of authors that are really, really willing to help you. They're fantastic. Science fiction fantasy I found was really, really hard to break into and crime as well. Their communities where it is harder, I found, it could just be me, to make community and find people who are just like you, whereas romance, every door is open, come in, have a cup of coffee, we will tell you everything you need to know. You know, it's, just, it's a fabulous community. Well, I want to write romance now. You sold me. <laughs> I mean, I joke, but I have heard such great things about the romance community and um, it does seem like a really fabulous genre to be writing in. We have a lot of fun. Yeah. We don't, we don't take anything seriously. And look, honestly, the sillier it is, the more likely we are to write about it. Let's be honest here. So. <laughs> well, that sounds like it's right up my jam because I am generally fairly ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and so you've done like quite a lot and I can see, you know, you've, reinvented yourself in this really amazing way and you're doing great at it you know successful and prolific and how would you say that this you know reinvention has impacted you like how do you feel i'm not brain dead I, I have something for my brain to do every day that would be the one thing if i could not change anything about myself i wouldn't change a single thing about my brain it is weird it is wired very differently um, i would not change a single thing I'd hate to break it. <laughs> so that's, I, I don't know, it, it, it gives purpose. It gives something to work towards every day. So you feel like you've found your, your people. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And you are a mom. So um, do you find that this career now has allowed you the flexibility to you know, take care of the kids, you know, manage, juggle all those responsibilities, but still, you know, pursue your own i've still got one one child at home uh, three days a week so i uh, sorry well five days a week technically if you count weekends but weekends are still a bit of a write-off um work-wise but she's still home three days a week she plays puzzles next to me she um has a little leapfrog pad that she's learning to read on and things like that um she brings books to me and we read and i still get my, all my side cuddles each day from her which is just fantastic being able to work from home is Oh, just a wonderful thing. You don't waste time going anywhere or doing anything, just being able to wake up and go, okay, great, I have an hour before they get up. I can do something in that hour, turn socials off and open the laptop and start editing or writing, you know, just dive straight into it. There is an amazing amount you can get done rather than going, no, I start work at nine and I finish at five and in between I have a morning tea and a lunch break and somebody's going to come in and chat and want to break that time up. So realistically, you've got three and a half hours where you get something done through the day. <laughs> You know, but instead you've got this time that you can go, okay, great. She wants to watch Paw Patrol. I have 40 minutes. Let's make it work. You just like describe my entire week. <laughs> <laughs> but that coffee conversation was important, Sophia. We 
It was. You do. You need to network. Yeah, we're networking. But yes, yeah, so no, I, I, I love. Yeah, like the the autonomy that you have, and it really does like blast open that idea of uh, a traditional day job, right? But we're working yeah. in boop beep bop boop. Whereas you're like, no, I'm in charge, and I can be a mom, and I can be flexible, get my writing done, and market, and I can do it in an organic way that is actually more efficient than you know my old office life where I had a very rigid schedule and structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, use the time that you've got. If you if you're taking kids to soccer training and you've got to sit in the car for twenty five minutes, then you know, pull out your phone and type on your phone, talk to your phone, create a cover, do teasers, do social media marketing, throughout newsletters. There is something you can do in that time to fill it and be useful. That's right. And you may wind up getting a few looks if, you, if you're if you acting out a sex scene, but that's okay too. That's business time. Keep the windows up. <laughs> Keep it. Yes, that's a good tip. Especially in Australia, because I feel like there's a lot of poisonous things there. I don't know. <laughs> not, not, a, not at that level. I don't come flying through the windows and attack us, I promise. Not okay, okay. Squirrels or- with teeth. <laughs> Flying squirrels with giant teeth. So what would be your one piece of advice? Watch watch what the people who who you adore are doing. Watch what the industry is doing. Be involved in it. And when you figure out what you want to do, don't sit around on your thumbs. Just get up and go. Because you can't start. You can't be successful until you've got something to give an audience. So go do stuff. Don't sit on it. And don't hang out too long. You can edit a book <laughs> until it's within an inch of its life. And you can over-edit to the point that a previous version was probably more commercially viable mm. than what you've over-edited and killed. Don't mm. edit the heart out of it. Get it to a great point. Get it to something you still love and put it out there. Mm. So that would be my best advice. That and start a newsletter. Please start your newsletters right now, today, now. <laughs> Critical. Yes, I have heard that. That's actually probably the most evergreen um, piece of advice. And also start a newsletter. Yes. I think every time we hear it again is is a good reminder. Well, thank you so much um, for coming on the show. And where can where's the best place that people can catch up with you? Um, I'm on Facebook, uh, so my inbox is always open. Feel free to message me, do whatever you need. Um, say hi, jump on stuff. Um, if you've got questions, just message me. I, I, it might take me a while to find the actual message, but I'll, yeah, I will answer them. Um, Sophia Sweet Sirens is my reader group. The ads are on, so just jump on in. If you answer the questions, I think it lets you straight in. So there's it's a lot of stuff coming up. Um, and I do try and drop as much personal stuff in there as I can. So if I'm struggling with something in marketing, I will always put it in there. Um, it, I'm human, just like everyone else. We make mistakes. We have boo-boos. We have really bad bloody moments. Um, and we have some great moments too. So you're going to get a mix of a whole lot of stuff in there. And I'm probably that's probably my, my most honest space. Um, awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Sophia, for for coming on the show today. You've shared so much, and I, I can't wait for our listeners to, to listen. Yep. No worries. Thank you for having me. Cheers. As always, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Sophia. She was such a delight to talk to and also shared so many great insights. I've summed them up here. 
So here are the top takeaways. Number one, when it comes to dictation, it can take six to nine months to train your brain to write out loud, but don't give up because if you can master the skill, it can mean producing up to 3,000 words in the time that you would be driving to your kid's soccer practice. Number two, there can also be a special creative energy that comes from dictation because you are able to act out your scenes in a more embodied way than simply typing them. Number three, the downside is that there may be a few moments of embarrassment when you realize you've been shouting out lines of your spicy sex scene in the car while waiting to pick up your kid. Just keep the windows rolled up. Number four, certain accents such as Australian can pose challenges to the AI, so just be aware of that. Number five, the most important thing when it comes to marketing is understanding who your readers are. Facebook ads can show you a lot about who they are. Number six, other ways to get that demographic data about your readers is through Publisher Rocket and Kindlepreneur. Number seven, if you are in it for the long game, consider spending time at the get-go on your cover art because that is ultimately your branding. Number eight, when it comes to marketing, everything you really need to know is in Facebook groups like 20 books to 50K. Number nine, if you don't know what to do, just watch the people that you admire and copy them. Number 10, whatever you do, don't wait, don't edit too long, just put it out there. And number 11, when all else fails, start a newsletter. Thanks so much for listening. If you have a moment now, please rate or review this podcast on Apple or Spotify. And if you want a PDF of the tips that I share on these episodes, definitely sign up for my newsletter so that you can have those to refer to when you're ready to use them. I'll talk to you guys next week. In the meantime... Happy writing.